Hello, and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast. Cody and Nick coming at you with our special guest, Eric Wagner, famous from the Fantasy Hockey Podcast. His his appearance here will become uh, apparent later on as to why he's here right now. But boys, you want to say hello to the listeners real quick? Honorary Eric Wagner. Not to give it away, but (laughs) the honorary Eric Wagner has joined us today. The great, the one and only. How was your Good weekend, guys? Anything, uh, anything fun going on uh, as the summer kind of comes to a close here, and we round into the uh, the football season. Only fifty days away from opening kick. I saw that earlier, and it uh, gave me a little excitement. Yep, absolutely. If you uh, if you watched or listened to our last episode, I uh, said that I've been traveling inside the great state of Missouri. Added another lake trip this past weekend. I think we're up to like seven hey, now on nice. the summer. So another good weekend down at Lake of the Ozarks. Great time. Great people. It was an awesome time. What'd y'all do this weekend? I had a, a bachelor party for uh, my boy Grant. Shout out to uh, to Grant and Lindsay getting married in about a month. Uh, we were down in Tampa <laughs> Bay. So yeah, shout out G. Uh, so we yeah, we, uh, we did that this past weekend. Really good time. Uh, lots of fun. Eric, anything uh, anything fun for you this past weekend? I was stuck in Bakersfield, California for work, middle of the desert. It was like 110 degrees. I thought I was going to melt. All right. Way to kill the vibe. I appreciate it. Before we jump into the news, we are doing a uh, QB rankings battle today. Uh, Cody and I have done some preliminary rankings, and I went through and picked out some guys that we had uh, what I figured were you know, somewhat major disagreements on, and uh, we're going to uh, make some arguments on both Just sides. Just stuff that going to be our on. arbiter. Pretty much, it, yes, of course. That's that's my favorite thing. So Eric is going to break our uh, break the tie and be our jury for us and uh, make the uh, make the call as to who's right. But before we jump into it, Cody, what's your hot take for the day? Yep, let's get spicy. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and get this one out of the way. I think this is a pretty like easy hot take out there in the ether. But I am one of these people that do support it. I enjoy having some pineapple on my pizza. You get a nice Hawaiian-style pizza with the ham on it. You know, you throw a couple other vegetables on there, maybe some onions and stuff. I think it's delicious. I think it's really good. Does it go on all pizza? Absolutely not. If I'm getting just like a regular pepperoni, I'm not just going to add pineapple on it. But if it goes with the theme of the pizza with the ham and stuff, I think it's really good. It's a really easy hot take. Easy peasy. I've never tried it. I'm still scared. I I uh, I might be might be kind of a bitch to say that, but I have never <laughs> scared tried of pineapple on pizza. Yeah, I would say I you're am. A I'm scared of it uh, on pizza. I, it terrifies me. I got to be honest. Eric, what's your hot take? Uh, my hot take is that for Neapolitan ice cream, the best flavor, far and away, it's not close, is strawberry. I would take a strawberry milkshake over a vanilla or a chocolate milkshake. Strawberry ice cream, give me a 10 times out of 10 all day long. Eric loves to come in with the horrible hot takes, but we appreciate him for his spiciness factor. It's always uh, it's always pretty far up there, even if uh, his takes are terrible. So we appreciate you, Eric. Eric. I, Cody, I, I think you're actually you're in 100% with him, so agree with him. I, strawberry, out of the generic three, which is vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry, yeah. everything is better strawberry than it is chocolate or vanilla. And that's Absolutely. not just ice cream. That also includes cake, like a, a strawberry cake Ooh. instead of the chocolate or vanilla. Way better as well. Big, big strawberry oh, I mean, fan. When you have yeah, like strawberry so stuffing and cake, oh, that's so good. I love I that. I can get behind you guys, but if we're talking about just 
just strawberry or just vanilla or just chocolate with nothing else on it. I, I don't know if that ever happens. Like, I feel like you have to kind of put it in context. Like, I, I would rather have a vanilla cake with a chocolate frosting and, you know. Yeah, the cake is definitely so, different. But... Yeah, that that's kind of where the problem comes in with me. But I, I don't have too much, too much qualms with the strawberry. I, I can get behind that. My hot take for the day, I actually don't know how you guys are going to react to this, so I'm kind of interested to see, but The Office is the worst sitcom nah. of, of all time. It's awful. Uh, really, really terrible. Don't understand the hype. Michael Scott is probably the worst uh, worst single character in the history of American television. You say my hot takes are terrible. Yeah, that was that was about as bad <laughs> as it gets right the there. Damn. Three, like, it's of the big sitcom, like, I don't know. I'd say it's probably on tier oh. with Friends, honestly. I don't think Friends is, like, that great. How do you feel about I that? Like Friends. I, I grew up on Friends. It's more of a nostalgic thing for me. I understand that some of the jokes are stale these days, but I, I like Friends. I, I still get a good laugh out of it, so I, I would put them both in the same uh, tier. I, feel, I grew feel up on similar. Friends, and I watched The Office a little bit later in life than probably everyone else did, because I don't know why I just didn't get on the bandwagon of The Office sooner, but I enjoy them both. I think they're both very easy sitcoms to watch. I mean, I wouldn't, like, yeah. neither of them are my go-to show if I have to go, like, sit down and watch some TV, but, like, if it's background background noise or something like that, I don't hate either one of them. Yeah, really I, would, I wouldn't go to the extent to say Michael Scott's the worst uh, worst character in American <laughs> television. I think that was the hot take right there for sure. <laughs> yeah, I stand by it. Yeah, he, he ruins the entire show. I actually like a lot of the under, other interactions between some of the uh, secondary characters, but anytime he's on screen, I just can't stand him and uh that's about 90 percent of the show so that uh that kind of ruins the whole thing um all right so now we're all done giving our horrible hot takes uh we're going to jump into the rest of the show here we have a couple news items to go over before we jump into the qb battle here so uh let's start with the biggest news item that happened in between our last show and now that is deandre hopkins he made his decision, signed a two-year deal with the Tennessee Titans. Cody, resident Chiefs fan on the pod here. Got to be a little disappointed. I'm going to go ahead and get your take first before uh, before I get mine. Also, the guy who runs our uh, social media page, if any of you saw the uh, the great picture I posted up there. That, that had really nothing to do with him not signing with the Chiefs. I told you on the last pod I would be 100% oh, okay. okay if he signed with the Bills because I think he'd be signing for the right reason. So, I said Chiefs or Bills. Obviously, I'm always going to want a great player to come to the Chiefs. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't want them. But, uh, I mean, to be completely honest, it's not even really that side that I was that upset about. It was I have so much stock in Traylon Burks and all of these (laughs) underdog best ball leagues I've been doing all summer that basically just – it just killed them. I don't know if you guys saw the video I put up of, like, basically comparing Ryan Tannehill and, like, what his best wide receiver two has ever done. And it was wide receiver 30 a couple of years ago, and I forgot the guy's name. It wasn't that relevant of a name. So basically just shot myself in the foot with Traylon Burks and plenty and plenty of underdog lineups. That's tough. So I have a I have a bit of a different take here. I actually still like Traylon Burks quite a bit. Obviously his ADP is going to fall. Uh, I think where you were drafting him, you're probably you know not cashing in on the value you could have had if you'd waited and drafted him now where he's going to fall you know, probably 15 to 20 wide receiver spots in the rankings. But uh, I, I think there there is room here, especially because this defense isn't great. Uh, like you said, the the worst, the best wide receiver two he's had is wide receiver 30. I, I believe that's Corey Davis. There I'm you not go. positive. You're correct. If that, 
Yep. Yeah, so that was only, and I actually looked this up last night, that was in a 14-game sample. Corey Davis actually had a pretty good season that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was probably more of a mid-tier wide receiver, you know, maybe a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two because he missed some games. Uh, so I think there is room for Traylon Burks to be good in this offense. He's going to, you know, not have to be the number one guy. He's not going to see all of the uh, the coverage from the defense. I think there are opportunities here, and this defense uh, being worse could lead to more pass attempts. I believe the year that you were referring to where Corey Davis was wide receiver 30, uh, Tannehill threw the ball about 480 times, which is far below league average. It's a, it's a tick over 30 throws a game, but I think you could see, you know, 35 throws a game from this offense if uh, the defense doesn't hold up and uh, they need to score more points than they have in the past. So I I don't hate Traylon Burks. I like the player a lot, and he's still going to get an opportunity. DeAndre Hopkins is older. He could get injured as well. Um, I, I, I still see opportunity for Traylon Burks to take late in drafts, but you're right. The upside is definitely capped now. He's not going to be the number one guy, not going to have that explosion year as long as DeAndre Hopkins is healthy. So certainly disappointing if you have drafted him in best ball, but keep him on your radar for redrafts and especially uh, dynasty or keeper leagues if you're starting those up. I'd I'd still be willing to take Burks. Yep, absolutely. D-Hop's contract was pretty front-loaded. Like, if they needed to get out of it next year, they could. They'd probably have to eat a little bit of it. So there's a chance that if D-Hop just – I mean, look at all the other Tennessee Titans old wide receivers they've signed. It's really never worked out. So if that's the case again, yeah. Traylon Burks may be right back to the same hype he was this offseason if they have to move off of D-Hop or he falls apart physically or something. So I agree with you on the, the long-term Traylon Burks, but – just just hurts Tennessee. Don't know why you had to do it. Yeah, definitely hurts the stock of best ball drafters that have been uh, on Traylon Burke so far this year. Uh, but how about DeAndre Hopkins himself? I think the latest ADP I have seen has him going in the middle of the fifth round in most drafts. Are you interested in him there? You waiting for him to fall, or are you completely out on D Hop? What uh, what's your feeling here? Uh, let me pull up one of the mock drafts I've recently done. So he's getting drafted in front of guys like Calvin Ridley, Christian Watson, Terry McLaurin, and then all the guys below that. So same range, but yeah, maybe right above them. Where where that's at, I don't really mind taking the shot on D Hop. I did hear a stat the other day that I think he's over the age of thirty, and there's only been a low amount of wide receivers that have produced a wide receiver one season over the age of 30. So, you know, you're probably not getting the D hop of old that can carry your team, but you know, if he's your wide receiver too in fantasy football, I think there's going to be a lot of weeks. You're pretty happy with that. I'm okay with him. Uh, I think as we will get into, as this offseason goes on, my philosophy is going to be taking wide receivers early and running backs in the mid rounds because I like a lot of those guys. So I don't think I'm going to end up with a ton of D hop on my teams. I don't hate him. I just don't see the you know crazy upside that he might have had in Arizona offenses and Houston offenses in the past. And I also see some downside because, like you said, he's 31. He uh, has been injured the past couple years, and all of those things are only going to mount as we go here. So, uh, and he obviously has a very talented first-round capital wide receiver behind him that you know if he emerges could end up being a 1A 1B situation in an offense that doesn't throw that much to begin with. So. I don't see a ton of high-end potential here. I think he could be a solid pick as a uh, wide receiver, too. I think he's a good bet to beat his ADP. I just don't know if he's going to win your league for you. And uh, in you know in those middle rounds, I'm looking for guys that can really uh, separate and end up taking big steps that help me win leagues. So 
Uh, I don't think I'm going to have a ton of him. I don't I don't hate him where he's going right now. Maybe if he falls into the the 6th or 7th round in a draft, I'd probably look his way. Yeah. All right, next piece of news here. This one uh, flew under the radar a little bit because it happened pretty much, I don't know if it was the same day as DeAndre Hopkins, but it might have been. It was either the day before or the day after. Joe Mixon, he restructured his contract with the Bengals. So this is a big signal that he will be with Cincinnati this year. looks like they are going into the year with him as their guy. There's not really anybody left on the market that uh, they wouldn't have to pay big money to, which they're just not going to do. That would take a huge market share from Joe Mixon here. So uh, what's your feeling on Joe Mixon as of right now? I think if you've you've had the stones to draft him over the summer in underdog best ball leagues, you're pretty freaking happy right now. I mean, he's been a fifth, sixth round running back. I mean, that's – and he's probably going to be a guy that gets 300 opportunities in Cincinnati unless they bring someone else in, which, like you said, is most likely not going to happen. So – I think he's awesome. I mean, in the mock drafts I'm doing, he's still going like the fourth-ish round. Snag him up there all freaking day. I mean, if you want to go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, and Joe Mixon happens to be your running back one, that's a pretty good freaking start to your draft right there. So um, I don't really know what the -the off-the-field issue is. I'm assuming that's settled, or if we need to look more into it, I don't know if that's going to factor in at all this year, which doesn't seem like it would at this point, but – that's that would be your only concern with Mixon, but it just doesn't seem there hasn't been very much news of it, which makes me think it's probably going to get pushed off, if anything. Yeah, I don't think the NFL is going to get involved. I feel like the off the field issues were more between Mixon and the team uh, than they were between Mixon and a possible suspension. So I don't think we have to worry about that. Uh, I absolutely love him where he's going right now. I think until his ADP creeps up into the the top of the third, low end of the second round, then uh, at that point, I think you're, you know, about on value with Joe Mixon. But until then, if you can get him in the mid third, late third, early fourth, take him all day long. I I am just fine with him as my RB one, and even if if you go RB early and get him as your RB two. He's he's a great candidate to bounce back. Like you said, is he's going to get 300 touches in a great offense. His floor to me, without getting injured, is probably RB 12, 13, and his ceiling is legitimately a top five running back, maybe even top three. So uh, yeah, where he's going right now is an absolute steal. I think it's just because his ADP started out so low earlier this summer that he's taking some time to creep back up. Yep. I think that will happen as the draft season goes on. But for now, if you're drafting early or you're drafting best ball. Go get Mixon while his value, uh, you know, is where it is in the fourth round, like you said. For sure, one hundred percent agree. All right, a couple other pieces of news here. Not quite as much impact for fantasy. Evan Ingram, he ended up signing a three-year extension before the franchise tag deadline. I don't know if this really changes anything for redraft. He was always going to be in the uh, in a Jaguars uniform this year. Gives you some security from a dynasty standpoint, I suppose. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Evan Ingram? I think he's a fine low-end tight end one, but I don't have much else other than that. Yeah, I think he's my favorite late-ish tight end pick in the draft right now. I mean, he already oh, really? he showed a decent amount at the end of last year once that offense really got settled in. And then I went back and did a little bit of research on the Doug Peterson offense with the tight end position. And if we go back to Philadelphia, Good that's point. when they had two tight ends that were fantasy relevant in Goddard and Ertz. So his offense really runs a lot out of the tight end position. So I think Evan Ingram, if you're someone who I would say, like myself, just isn't really taking one of those middle tight ends, like a Kittle through uh, Kyle Pitts, then I think Evan Ingram's a great a great target towards the end of your draft for a tight end. 
yeah, I don't mind him late. I think he's just one of those many guys that's, uh, you know, not going to be the number one or the number two in his offense most likely. But uh, if you're not, if you're drafting one of those guys, you want to take a guy on a good offense that has a chance to score, and he is certainly both of those things. And like you said, Doug Peterson especially does like to use his tight ends um, probably more often than the average coach. So I think there could be a few extra, you know, packages in there for Evan Ingram specifically. And if you have him in Dynasty or Keeper, He's got a guaranteed second year after this one in Jacksonville, which is good news for him. Uh, Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, they both failed to sign extensions before the franchise tag deadline on Monday, and they both plan to hold out of training camp. Uh, Given the recent movings in the running back market, I don't think either one of them are in jeopardy of actually sitting out games this year, but do you have any pause drafting either one of these guys? Um if you had to draft, say, early in August or you know before they end up reporting their team? Nope. I would suck up the, uh, the lower ADP that they're getting right now because of this contract situation. I mean, let's just think about this from a logical perspective. If you are in a position where your value is just constantly decreasing, we saw what we talked about earlier. Joe Mixon had to restructure, take less money. He didn't get more money from the Bengals. A lot less. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So why in the world would you give up? 10 to $11 million from this franchise tag sit out a year to potentially go get a two to three year deal from another team a year later. Just the way that money works, that makes no sense. Also, I like Josh Jacobs. I think I understand a little bit more. He was a later first round pick. So he's made a little less than Saquon. Saquon's like already the third highest paid active running back in the NFL for his career. So he's already made a lot of money being the number two pick in the draft. So for me, it just makes no sense for these guys to threaten it. You're not giving up the $11 million, especially when your positional value could be even less than it is ne- you know, next year, which is you know, a very big possibility. So, Seems likely. Yeah, I would draft these guys with no issue. I have Saquon in our Dynasty League. I mean, I've tried to trade him just because I want to try and accumulate some picks and make some different moves in our league, but a couple guys I've talked to are just worried about his contract. And I'm like, guys... They're not giving up $11 million to sign for $10, $15 million the following year. Like, <laughs> that's not going to be the case. No, it's not. They're both going to play this year for their teams, and uh, they they have watched the fellow running backs that they have, they have tried to leverage their situations for better contracts, and it has not worked out for basically any of them. So, uh, like you said, I wouldn't be worried about it. I'd draft them both where you would, assuming they're going to play this year. And, um, you know, you don't need to worry about either one of them in, in terms of missing games this year. But maybe from a dynasty perspective, if you can get something, you know, akin to what they would get before this this uh, contract situation played out, you can maybe move them in, in that case. But other than that, I think you're, you're drafting Saquon and Josh Jacobs just like you would have otherwise. Yep, I completely agree. We ready to move on into it? Judge Eric? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm pumped up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm okay with it. I I got the blood flowing. I'm ready to go. So uh, we are going to do a little QB battle here today. We'll do this with all the positions. Uh, We might have to break the other positions up into different episodes because there will obviously be more running backs and wide receivers that we have disagreements on than quarterbacks as there are more running backs and wide receivers than there are quarterbacks. But today I have four items for us to go through. 
the last three are going to be individual players. The first two are uh, we're going to, to do in conjunction, and you'll kind of see why uh, as we move on here. But basically the way this is going to work is that uh, whoever is in the affirmative on the argument is going to give it first. The uh, other side is going to give their argument second, and then Eric is going to rule on both of these arguments. And we'll keep a tally as we go here through all the position groups and see who ends up winning uh, between all of them. But, guys, are we ready? Do we have any questions? No, well, let me get the glasses on so I can see my notes. Okay, absolutely. Right. I love the uh, official nature of Cody's getup right now. Yes, That's absolutely. Go. Cody? Alrighty, so the first quarterbacks we have on the board here are Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert. This one is probably my favorite one just because of the the dichotomy of this uh, this situation here. So I have Herbert ranked at four and Jackson at seven. Cody has Jackson at four, Herbert at seven, and the ADP has Jackson at five and Herbert at six. But overall, they have Jackson at 37.8 and Herbert at 38.7. So essentially, they could not be closer together on the NFC ADP, and me and Cody have them exactly flipped at 4-7 and seven and 7-4. Seven and four. So this is a this is a one-for-one one argument on both of these guys here. Cody, I'm going to give you the first uh, go here. You're going to be arguing as to why we should take Lamar Jackson over Justin Herbert. Go ahead. Yep, absolutely. So I want to start off by saying uh, this is not necessarily an anti-Justin Herbert take. If Lamar gets taken in your draft right before you, I think Justin Herbert's a fine option as well in the position. If both are on the board while I'm drafting and I want to take a quarterback, I'm going to go with Lamar. And here's the reason why. So I went back and looked at basically the last, but basically their entire careers because I wanted to get Herbert's best season, Lamar's best season, as well as some seasons where they kind of had some issues all into my stats so that way I can look at it. And what I wanted to break down was how many – what because the argument's going to be is Lamar's legs more valuable than Justin Herbert's are. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to break down where we're at with both of those numbers and see if how much more valuable the legs were. So what I had found was with Lamar Jackson, you are getting approximately – oh, no, I lost my notes. lost my spot. All right, we're getting approximately – 7.5 points per game out of his legs more than what Justin Herbert gets. Obviously, Justin Herbert, not the okay. biggest runner, only runs once in a while, only has a few touchdowns. So basically, between his touchdown and his yards, he averages 7.5 more points due to his legs. Now, the question is, how much more valuable is Justin Herbert's arm? And it only came out to about four to four and a half points more valuable than Lamar Jackson's legs. So it gives Lamar Jackson a slight swing, averaging roughly about three more points per fantasy game. Now, I did a little bit of tweaking, and this is one huge plus I'll give to Justin Herbert. If you want to draft quarterback and really never have to worry about it, get Justin Herbert because he's played every single game that he has not been a backup in. The one game his first year with Tyrod Taylor started, after that he has had over 80% of snap percentages the rest of his career since that day. So that's one thing he has over Lamar. I really don't have an argument against that. Just when Lamar is on the field and Lamar is healthy, he averages about three more points per game to three and a half more points per game than Justin Herbert. And then I also wanted to go to the consistency factor because, again, the injuries are going to be tough with Lamar. So I, when he's on the field, and since 2021, Lamar Jackson has uh, so over 30 points per game or 30 points in a game since 2021. Herbert has four. All of them were in 2021. He had zero in 2022. Lamar's had five, three in 21, two in 2022. So a little bit more 
equal over the past two years. And then I also wanted to look at how many bus games did they have. And I know this is getting long. I'm sorry, people. A lot of stats here. I wanted to look at how many bus games they had as well. Okay. And that is basically any game in a six-point-per-passing-touchdown league that you scored under 15 points. Because that's whenever I started determining that that's when that position starts to hurt you. If they get around 15 to 17, you're, you're content with it. They didn't win you the week, but they're not the reason you lost. Herbert has eight games, and none of those are due to leaving early since 2021. Lamar Jackson only has four games, and two of those are due to him leaving with injury. So again, the injury is an issue. I understand that, and if you're cons- con- if you want to consider that, I get that, Eric. One hundred percent understand. I'm not going to argue with you about the injuries because that's a losing argument. But when Lamar Jackson is on the field, he averages more points. He busts less than Justin Herbert, and just overall, he's the be- better fantasy quarterback. I rest my case for this portion, Nick. Let's hear your rebuttal. All right, Cody. I liked uh, I liked the way you went about that. You went more from just a straight up fantasy angle, which I can respect. Uh, I went a bit. I have a bit of a different tack here, so I'm going to break my argument down basically into two parts. Here, I'm going to go anti Lamar and then pro Justin Herbert in that order. Let's start out with anti Lamar, and basically this kind of revolves around my concerns with the new offensive coordinator. Everybody's very excited about Todd Munkin taking over as the offensive coordinator in Baltimore, famously the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers while Jameis Winston was throwing for 34 touchdowns and 30 interceptions and 5,000 yards a few years ago. Maybe not the best uh, football strategy, but pretty effective for fantasy. So in the past, Todd Munkin has been below average in play action rate, pre-snap motion, and rush rate. He has conversely been above average in pass rate, Zone rush rate and 11 personnel. Quick explanation on 11 personnel. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this and been confused. Say, People say 12 personnel, 21 personnel, 11 personnel. It's very simple. It's just how many running backs you have in the field, how many tight ends you have in the field. 11 personnel, you have one running back, one tight end. That means you have three wide receivers because you're always going to have five total of those three position groups. Okay, quick explanation there. So essentially... What you're going to see with Todd Munkin, unless he completely changes his offensive philosophy, which uh, is not something we expect him to do, you're going to see three wide receivers on the field quite a bit with uh, one running back and one tight end. This is not what the Baltimore Ravens have been about while Lamar Jackson has been in town. They've been very heavy 12 personnel, which means they have two tight ends and they run more of a traditional NFL-style offense where you know you are running a lot of play action. You are running through you know the running game is your is where you start and then you build the passing game off of that. This is a little bit of the opposite. You're kind of building the quick passing game and then using the running game off of that quick passing game. I uh, I think this is just a major, major adjustment for Lamar Jackson. So I think it's this is a home run swing if you're taking Lamar Jackson uh, where he's going right now in this about the exact same spot as Justin Herbert early fourth round, late third in some drafts. Um, so if you, if you are about absolutely swinging for the fences in this case, you go for Lamar Jackson because I think he's got very, very high potential, but I have concerns that this type of offense may take him a little bit to adjust to. He's basically completely changing everything that he's done, and when he was successful a few years ago, we saw him in more of this traditional style Greg Roman offense where he's running a lot of play action. He's running some one-cut reads uh, as a runner. And he is basically making one or two reads and then running the ball if it's not there. This will this this type of offense that he's running now is going to ask him to make quick reads, 
could progress through one, two, maybe three receivers. And I, that's not something that he's done a ton of in his NFL career. So I do have concerns it's going to take him time to adjust to this offensive system. All right, moving on to pro Justin Herbert. Offensive coordinator Kellen Moore is now in town for the Los Angeles Chargers. Joe Lombardi, who was there last year, is out. Kellen Moore has ranked so far in his career in net yards per attempt, which is basically just yards per attempt, including sack yardage. So it's just all dropbacks. How good did you do uh, a, a, You know, compared to the rest of the NFL? Kellen Moore has ranked first. 22nd, 22nd, the year Dak Prescott shattered his leg in week four, fourth and ninth in net yards per attempt. So all top 10, except the one year where he lost his starting quarterback in week four. Drafting Quinton Johnson gives Justin Herbert another weapon and signals the Chargers are hoping to push the ball downfield more often, which has been a big concern of a lot of Chargers fans and basically anybody commenting on the Chargers offense to this point, Joe Lombardi. Obviously, with Austin Eckler in town, has really been about quick passing game, kind of keeping things underneath more efficient throws, but not necessarily getting those big plays out of them. Last year, I think that had a lot to do with both their tackles getting injured and Justin Herbert breaking his ribs in week three. They kind of had to get the ball out of his hands very quickly, so that could have played into it, but he's healthy going into the year, so are both of his tackles. Herbert, in his career, has been the QB7, QB2, and QB15. That was obviously last year in points per game. I see one year that sticks out as a sore thumb as an outlier. Uh, obviously, the QB7 year, he was a rookie. So I you know, I don't think that can be a knock against him. The QB2 year, all his guys stayed healthy. He was amazing. And I think as long as we see that again, we're going to see something closer to that QB2 year than we saw last year with, uh, obviously, the injury to Herbert himself, the injury to both his tackles, the injuries to Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And uh, that is why I am taking Justin Herbert as the quarterback four off the board, Eric. Can I can I make a, just a, one more little rebuttal? Rebuttal? Yeah. Oh, please. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. We're... We're not done here yet. First, real legal with it. First, today, I want to uh, <laughs> I want to talk about good old Todd Monken because I highly doubt that the Ravens are just giving him the full run of the offense and they're going to make their five year quarterback completely work around their new OC. I'm sure he's probably working more around Lamar than Lamar's working around him. So, Eric, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Lamar's been there five years. And then the I other thing I would like to just well. I would like to throw out there is I know everyone's excited. There's going to be Andy. Everyone's excited about Kellen Moore and how his offense is going to look in Los Angeles. Just want to remind everyone, he did have the ninth most rushing, ninth highest rushing percentage in the NFL last year at 47.3%. Chargers were 31st in the league at 34.9%. So they were already throwing the ball a whole bunch. Now, obviously, the injuries are a thing, but it's not like he's going to get more passing opportunities or they're going to throw the ball more than they did last year. You're just hoping that his touchdown rate goes up, which is, you know, you would like to think that it will. You'd like to think his receivers stay healthy. But if we're being if we're being honest, no one can call that. I think if we're looking at the historical average data, Lamar's legs when he is out there are more consistent than Justin Herbert throwing touchdown passes. That's fair. I would argue that uh, Baltimore, with their offseason moves, has signaled that they are going to use a lot of 11 personnel, though. They paid Odell Beckham Jr. big money for whatever reason. They drafted Zay Flowers in the first round. They have Rashad Bateman, who was a recent first-round pick. I don't believe that they are planning on sitting one of these three guys on most downs. I think they're going to have them out there 70% of the time. And again, that is what Todd Munkin has done in his career to this point. 
I think if you wanted a different style of offense, you would have brought somebody else in that leaned more on that Greg Roman style offense that uh, is heavily predicated on running the ball. Like you said, I don't think they're going to go full Jameis Winston. Obviously, that's not Lamar's game. They're going to work it in uh, in some cases, but I think that they are they are going to transition into that style of offense because that's clearly clearly the signal they have given with their moves and the uh, the choice that they made at offensive coordinator. And then you are right, the Cowboys had a a, a much higher rush rate than uh, the the Chargers did last year. But again, I think the Chargers were forced into that situation uh, when their offensive line got beat up. And uh, a lot of those short throws to Austin Eckler are kind of extensions of the run game in L.A. Uh, he, he's basically getting dump-offs you know, one or two seconds after the snap because the line was struggling so hard. Uh, I think you know, if you turn some of those balls into runs, you're, you're talking about you know, not much off of Justin Herbert's back, and you're looking at a higher yards per attempt. And but more efficient offense. Take overall. away the receiving touchdowns to Eckler. You could, I, you could, but he had Austin Eckler had five receiving touchdowns yeah. last year and thirteen rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So I, I think if you take away two receiving touchdowns off yeah, of Justin fair. Herbert, I add them to Austin Eckler's rushing, maybe that makes a difference. But I think you could see that thirteen number come back to earth a little bit too and offset yeah. any difference you have there. So my last point, just on the last point you made, is if we're going to take a look at Austin Eckler's dump-down passes he gets, we got to count up all of Zeke and Tony Pollard's as well because that probably puts the Cowboys at damn near 60% of their offense being extensions of the run play. So if we're going to count that against Austin Eckler, we should also count it with the Cowboys as well. So that is going to be my my end, my final statement. Nick, do you have anything else you'd like to uh, throw out there for Eric? Well, I think my last point would be on your your uh, your end point there, as far as Zeke and Pollard being a big part of the rushing game. I think Pollard was he his his receiving game was more designed into the offense. You know, you're looking at screens on the outside with blockers in front of him, not just dump off passes because the the first two reads didn't you know follow through or the offensive line broke down immediately. I think those Pollard targets were actually built into the offense. Those type of plays have a much higher efficiency rate when it comes to running back targets. And uh, last year, especially, the Cowboys were you know, dealing with CeeDee Lamb on the outside, who's a fantastic receiver, but not much else, and injured Michael Gallup. On the Chargers, you have Quentin Johnston, the first-round pick. you got Mike Williams, healthy heading into the year, and you have Keenan Allen, the incredible slot-wide receiver, as well as Gerald Everett in the tight end position. So a lot more weapons to work with, in my opinion. Let's hear what you have to say, Eric. You know, something Cody said actually made me lean away from Cody with this argument. When you said that the only game Justin Herbert didn't finish or didn't start and finish was the first game of his rookie year, I have been stung by my starting quarterback getting hurt way too many goddamn times in fantasy football to draft Lamar Jackson again. And I think that is the biggest reason I would probably go Herbert over Jackson. Um the bus thing did actually catch me by surprise too though so i would have not expected i would have expected lamar to bust more than herbert essentially but i guess given the legs a little easier for that so i would Cody, lean towards herbert but i do think that both are good options obviously i don't know if you have this information in front of you but i'd be curious to see how many of those bus games were last season i would bet that it is over half cuz he did have quite a few bus games last year but again he was dealing with a lot of extenuating circumstances so 
I, you know, you don't love to see that, but at the same time, I think they can be somewhat explained. I, I could be wrong about that, but I would bet five of those eight were last year. Uh, yeah, it probably is. Probably like five. I'd probably say five or six of them were last year. Actually, I can't. It was either four or five. He was, was 15th per game. I mean, he was not good yeah. on a per-game basis whatsoever. Yeah. So that is Again, I, way below My, my argument was nece- not necessarily Herbert's a bad option. It's just if you want the safer route, yeah, I think Herbert's the pick. If you want a guy who could be QB1 and, and win you a fantasy championship, I think Lamar's that guy. I think which, both have good chances to explode this year, though. I'd bet Lamar. That's, that's my point. On points per game, I bet Lamar Jackson, laps him. Lamar's going to smoke him. Jackson has a slightly higher ceiling, but Herbert has a pretty high ceiling as well and a much, much higher floor. That's kind of the antithesis. QB 15? Is that what you're considering his floor? <laughs> well, you know, if, you know if, if, if Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey get hurt. From the top row by Jim Lance or Cody. <laughs> All right, no, he don't. might be QB twelve. So I, I just he was at a lot of circumstances. Last All right. Anyway, I'm down 0-1. Let's get into our next guy, Nick. You're going to start this argument off. Moving I'll let on. You get into it. I am working in the affirmative here. We are arguing Anthony Richardson here today. I have him ranked at number ten. Cody has him at seventeen. NFC ADP has him at fifteen. Overall, 116 on the draft board. And before I start my argument with Anthony Richardson, I think I. I want to preface this by saying league size has a lot to do with where I would be taking any of these guys, really, but especially Anthony Richardson. And I think that's going to be an important point as we move on here in the offseason that I'm going to harp on over and over and over because in a 10-team league, this is like my arguments are going to matter much more for 10-team leaguers than they would for 14-team leaguers where you're not, you know, you, you want to you want to think about what is my replacement level option in this situation. In a 10-team league, your replacement level option could be Geno Smith, Jared Goff, someone very capable week to week of getting you 18 to 20 points. If you're in a 14-team league, your replacement level option is Brock Purdy, Derek Carr, Desmond Ritter, you know, someone that you are really worried is going to give you five or six points. So I think you have to keep that in mind when you're drafting anybody, but especially someone like Anthony Richardson. Uh, But anyway, getting into the affirmative here on Anthony Richardson, I will admit he needs a lot of things to break right for him. First of all, winning the starting job, although the the president of the Indianapolis Colts, Jim Irsay, has come out and said that he needs to play to get better, and he is the number four overall pick in the draft. Unlike Trey Lance a couple years ago where San Francisco was a really good team, the Indianapolis Colts are not going to be a very good team. So it makes no sense for them to not start this guy if not week one, pretty soon afterwards because they're not going to be making a playoff run and uh, they just need to get him out there and he needs to be playing football. Uh, he needs improvement by his own line and he needs a big uh, big jump in his consistency as a thrower. That being said, he has the play caller from the Eagles last year where Jalen Hurts obviously thrived and they ran a lot of quarterback runs, which is basically the entire antithesis of my argument. Anthony Richardson is a special athlete. You've probably heard that a million times at this point in the offseason. He runs under a 4-4 and is basically the size of what you'd expect Cam Newton to be coming into the league. I think he has the physical ability to be easily a 1,000-yard rusher day one if he starts uh, 17 games. And if he does that, he's basically a locked top 12 quarterback. It doesn't even matter what he does with his arm. Uh, he, If he rushes for 1,000 yards, he will be a top 12 quarterback, point blank. And uh, I just think that type of rushing production is a really high floor, and I'm comfortable with a lot of the later options. That's sort of the other point here is that all these guys, 11 through 17, 
Uh, we'll go through them later, but you know, you have Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, Russell Wilson bounce back, Aaron Rodgers. All of these guys are kind of in the same bucket for me. And if you pair Anthony Richardson with one of them as your fallback option, I uh, I think Anthony Richardson is the the special one out of that group. So you don't need to draft one of those guys over him. Prioritize Anthony Richardson. Let one of those other guys fall to you, and uh, you might find yourself with a special top five quarterback if he find if he figures it out. Maybe his you know maybe the defense is bad. He's throwing more than we think. Maybe he just absolutely explodes as a rusher like Justin Fields did last year. I think there are a few ways this thing could go really right, and if it doesn't. This isn't a ton of capital to be placing. Uh, like I said, he's he's the 15th quarterback off the board right now, 116th overall. That's you know you're looking at round 11, round 10 maybe if you're really reaching for him. So uh, I, I like Anthony Richardson quite a bit. I'd push him up my board uh, farther than most. Yeah, I, I am going to be honest. I don't really disagree with a lot of what you said. I mean, if you are going to take him and somebody like you said, like a Geno Smith as a backup and basically probably just play Geno week one and see what Richardson looks like. I don't like, I don't hate that draft strategy. I mean, I've tried to work on not drafting multiple quarterback if I don't have to. So that's why I'm also a little bit lower on Anthony Richardson. I think if you take him, you have to take another quarterback, especially if you're in a league where a lot of people roster two or a 14 team league where, like you said, Derek Carr is like your next, next best option. Like, so it's, it's a little bit situational. My big thing with Anthony Richardson is, like every time I hear Anthony Richardson, he is compared to a just an outlier. If we look at you know his, like a lot of like the big thing is his college you know inaccuracy at Florida. He, he completed fifty four percent of passes last year. Well, that against that argument is Josh Allen was a bad passer at Wisconsin. Well, Josh Allen also wasn't very good his first year for fantasy until the second half of the season. He's also been proven to be kind of an outlier at this point. Second one is Cam Newton. Like you said, he basically has the same size. You know, we'll see how he moves on an NFL field, but has some kind of good mobility. And um, again, just another complete outlier of a human being. We've never seen a guy like Cam Newton in the NFL since he's come in. So that's another one. And then thirds is Justin Fields, which who had a basically an outlier season last year where his passing game was irrelevant. He, he led fantasy teams to championships just based on his legs alone. So if we're looking at you know, just all these outlier situations, then yeah, like you're going to think a lot of positive things. I don't necessarily think all these things are going to continue to break his way. I do think he's a great project to have. If he does end up hitting, he could be an absolute just superstar of a player with his build and physical attributes. But I mean, he didn't look that great on the field in Florida. If you take away, you know, his 40 times vertical, everything like that is combine specialty. I just don't really know if he's that great of an NFL quarterback and, like you said, if he's a guy, if you draft him and he puts up a thousand rushing yards, you're probably going to be happy with him. Same way with Justin Fields. My issue is I don't think I have to draft him because, like Justin Fields, he's probably going to have a couple of dud weeks to start the season, like all rookie quarterbacks do. And there's a good chance he finds his way on the waiver wire at some point or another. So I'm not going to waste a tenth pick that I could take on a wide receiver who may have a potential breakout season on a quarterback who has a good chance of falling to the waiver wire at some point in his rookie season. Now, if you draft him and you never have to drop him, that means he was good right off the bat, and my argument was absolutely terrible. I just don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, I think your last argument is probably my my biggest, you know, my biggest attraction off my own point, which is that you may be able to pick him up off the waiver wire in redraft leagues because he's either going to struggle when he starts or he's not going to start at all and he's going to get dropped. 
I think that's your best point. But the odds, if he comes out and rushes the ball 15 times in his first game, everybody's going to go pick him up, even if he struggles, because a quarterback running the ball that many times is just going to be valuable, basically based off the numbers alone. And uh, the, the Florida point, Florida was not a good team last year. They were six and seven. Uh, I, I think I think you know you think Florida football, you think SEC powerhouse. None of their pass catchers got drafted. Uh, they they he was really not working with a ton. The offensive coordinator, you know, they, their their coaching staff got cleared out this offseason. So I, I think so the, the Florida Gators. You're well, yeah, exactly. I mean, well, you're the right, Colts staff is garbage. So. Yes, yes. So we Colts. we like the offensive coordinator coming into Indianapolis this year, as as far as uh, his you know his tendency to use a rushing quarterback. So I, I think that point needs to be made as well. But I, I do like your last point there. I think there's a possibility you could get him on the waiver wire week one, week two, week three. But if they come out and they're running him, you know, ten to fifteen times a game, it's he's going to be a low-level starter at the very least, and he's not going to be available after that. Yep, I get it. I just don't see it. I don't I don't think he's going to come in and be rookie or Cam Newton, who was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, if you look at rookie quarterbacks, I mean, like the average rookie quarterback puts up like 18 fantasy points per game, which is below average for the quarterback position or right at the average mark. So if you're drafting him or if anything, it's all 100% on, on his legs. And – you just look at quarterbacks oh, that yeah, are 100% dependent on their legs. It usually takes them a couple of games to get the NFL, feel the NFL process out. So, I mean, yeah, is there a chance that he just has a tear like Justin Fields did and ends up as the quarterback, whatever he was, six, seven, he ended up with last year? Like, yeah, there's a chance that that happens. I'm not, pro- I'm not wasting a 10th round pick on him because I don't think it's going to be right out of the gate. I think I'm going to have a chance to pick him up later or maybe trade low on him if you see something change, you know, after week three or four. But, as for his ADP, I just can't take him there right now. All righty, Eric. What do you think? I am actually going to lean with Cody on this one. I think the two-quarterback thing is really kind of what pushes me away from Anthony Richardson. I really don't like drafting two quarterbacks. And then I didn't even really think about the fact that he could go to waivers, but like your ass got Justin Fields off waivers in our Dynasty League last year, didn't you? Yep. Sure did. Same yep. week I picked yeah. up good old so. freaking Tua. <laughs> that I, I can't. <laughs> so so pumped for that. You outbid me by a dollar too. Oh for yeah. Tua. So I I. <laughs> I Worst mistake you ever made. You could have had Fields, Cody. Yeah, that's yeah. all right. Mike Evans would have bent me over in the championship either way. So who cares? <laughs> all right. Well, we're we're one to one through two. Uh, I I'm gonna win this next one pretty easily too, so I'm mm, okay with probably. that. Uh, we're moving on to Matt Stafford here. Cody has Stafford all the way up at number eleven. Are you high? I have him at twenty three. ADP has him much closer to me at twenty one. His his overall rank is one hundred and fifty seven. So. Almost undrafted in 10-team leagues and at the very, very end of 12-team leagues. Cody, you uh, go ahead and give your affirmative on Matt Stafford. I cannot wait to just eviscerate your points here. Yeah, for sure. Let's get into it. Um, so with Matthew Stafford first, whenever I did my rankings, I I guess I also probably did this a little bit with Anthony Richardson as well. I don't just go strictly off how many fantasy points are you going to score me throughout the entire season like most people do their rankings. I kind of factor in ADP a little bit with like how likely I am to draft this guy. So that's kind of why Matthew Stafford's up there so high. Like if you're 
like, okay, so this is basically my biggest argument around Matthew Stafford. Like, QB 11 is probably too high compared to every other ranking out there. But if you're going to consider drafting a guy like a Geno Smith, a Kirk Cousins, a Dak Prescott, like we've seen, I mean, Geno only has one year, but, you know, history would tell us all these guys have somewhat of a limited ceiling. Just two years ago, actually, I guess Geno, you can consider this too, but Matthew Stafford finishes the QB 5 on the season. I know Geno was like 7 last year, so if you want to make that argument, you can. There's just so much more of an upside with Matthew Stafford that you're not getting out of the other guys. Um, let's see. So you finished as the overall QB5 in 2021. Ten weeks as a QB1 in that season. Only two games under 15 fantasy points. So you basically you could start him every single week, and he didn't really cost you anything back then either draft-wise. Cooper Cup's back and healthy. If you think Sean McVay is a good coach, like I would say a lot of people do, I would say he's in that very upper echelon below Andy Reid and Bill Belichick, then he's going to be taking all this offseason negative narrative that they have about them and fueling his stars like Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald. And ultimately, the opportunity cost is absolutely nothing. Like you can, like Matthew Stafford's the perfect quarterback to pair with an Anthony Richardson because you could probably hold Anthony Richardson for a couple weeks and keep throwing Stafford out there if you need to. Because as long as the Rams' offense is healthy, he's going to be a fine fantasy quarterback. So he, he currently goes undrafted in every mock I do besides when I draft him. So literally cost you nothing. And again, I think he has higher upside than the guys like. Even like Daniel Jones, I don't think Daniel Jones has the true upside Matt Stafford does. Jared Goff, Geno Smith, like if I'm betting on this year, I don't think Geno Smith's repeating as the QB7. Um, you know, and even I'd throw Kirk Cousins in there as well and Dak, Dak Prescott this year also. I just don't think any of these guys are going to have the same upside potential that you're getting out of Matthew Stafford, and you can get him rounds and rounds later than you're, you know, using or that you're picking all these middling quarterbacks. All right. Uh, not bad, Cody. Not bad. I'm going to start off with your first point okay. that Matthew Stafford was the quarterback five two years ago. You're right. He was the overall quarterback five, but on points per game, he was quarterback 11. He played all 17 games that benefited him in the total points category. But Did you hear that, we're talking Eric? about healthy overall quarterback, quarterback 11 on points per game. And, uh, again, that is everything going right for Matthew Stafford two years ago, a team that won the Super Bowl. PFF ranks the Rams' offensive line 28th going into this year. That was obviously a giant problem for them last year. They did not do too much to address that coming into this year. Their projected starting wide receivers are Cooper Cup, obviously fantastic, Van Jefferson, eh, and Ben Skoranek, eh. That does not sound great to me. Uh, very below average offensive line. And even with Cooper Cup in the fold, I think even a, a Rams optimist would say an average wide receiver core. I would probably say a below average wide receiver core. I don't think Van Jefferson. I think he is the only one you could say maybe he can be a part of a top three in the NFL, but Ben Skoranek should be a special teamer slash fill-in type of guy, not somebody projected to be in your top three uh, of your wide receiver core. Health's a major concern for Stafford. We saw it happen last year. He had the major back injury. That's been kind of a theme for him as his career has gone on here. And he turned 35 this summer. So that's not something that's going to just go away, especially if he gets hit around a lot behind a weak offensive line. He's not mobile. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to see, unless, you know, he's getting the ball just out of his hands immediately where, you know, the defenses are going to be expecting something like that. Uh, this is just not a great situation for a guy that is just a pure pocket passer without much mobility. 
Mike Clay did some really useful roster rankings for ESPN. He, uh, he threw those out a couple weeks ago, so I'm going to give a shout-out to him. But they, uh, the Rams roster is ranked as 31st in talent heading into this year. I think the only arguments you have for Matthew Stafford are extreme volume and the offensive line taking a step forward. I see Stafford, uh, you know, and his, I think his, his, his high end is like it was two years ago. It's, it's the 11th best quarterback on points per game. Maybe four of the top 10 quarterbacks get hurt, and he gets pushed up to QB6 overall on points if he stays healthy all 17 games. But I'd much rather take my shot on basically any of those guys you listed, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff. Even Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, give me any of them because I think their teams have a much higher ceiling and therefore uh, they have much higher ceilings as fantasy quarterbacks. Okay. My my only rebuttal to that is any kind of offseason rankings are just people putting their opinion out there, which is nothing more than just opinions. Where were the Eagles ranked last year compared to the Buccaneers and the Packers? Where were the Lions ranked last year? The Seahawks because they had Geno Smith. Like Offseason rankings are really just what people think about teams and what they're projecting for the upcoming year. Doesn't mean they're going to be 100% correct. So while I do think that there's some merit to that, Mike Clay's obviously been in the business a long time and everything, 100% get it. It's still just it's his opinion. It's, we're not he's not putting facts out there that the Rams are going to be that they are the thirtieth or thirty first ranked team. It's what he believes is going to happen. So that would be my that's, that's one argument I would say that you know I understand that the rankings look bad. Um, uh, don't have any that's else? fair, but I think I think I think moving from thirty first to tenth is pretty much not something you're going to do. I think you can argue that if you have a team at 14, could they move to 6 or 7? Sure, based on some improvements from somebody that's unexpected. But I think when you are looking at that kind of outlier, same with the offensive line, 28th best offensive line in the NFL. I think best case scenario, I think if you ask Sean McVay right now, you have an average offensive line for the, for this year. He would take that and run with it. So I, I, they did not make any major additions. They're just expecting these players that played really badly last year to play better this year, and I just don't see that happening. So I, I think Matthew Stafford is going to need that offensive line to be at least average to return uh, top even 15 quarterback value. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I'm just – again, if you're going to draft one of those guys like a Kirk Cousins, a Daniel Jones, or something like that seven rounds before you'd have I to draft Kirk a Matthew Cousins. Stafford, go right ahead. Like I, that's fine with me. I'll just, I'll wait and I'll get their equivalent at the end of the draft or pick them up right after the draft ends. I'm not going to waste draft capital on a guy that has the same potential as all the other guys you're drafting at the middle-ish of the draft. Tenth round draft capital, by the way, is what we're talking about here. So maybe eleventh round draft capital. Middle-ish. I don't know if like I call I that draft capital. Oh, 100 percent. Okay, one hundred percent. There's so I, many I mean, wide receivers and running what? backs that can get taken and be valuable at that point. In the tenth or eleventh round, Cody, you're t- you're you're dart throws. I mean, these are all dart throws at that point. You might, if you're going to valuable dart a throws, backup quarterback. You gotta have value. You gotta have dart <laughs> throws. Yeah, the more darts you get, the more likely you are to hit the board. I guess. <laughs> all right, Eric, tell us who's right. Hold on, uh, Nick. Um, no. <laughs> that's believe it or not. <laughs> no drum roll needed. No, no. Uh, I I don't Cut the drum roll. Like, I see a little bit of the upside from Matthew Stafford, but like their roster was so much better when Stafford finishes the QB five. Their offensive line was so much better. They had a number two option. Like I, I know, like 
even and Matthew Stafford has done well with the roster in the past. Robert Woods Robert Wood for, is for how many miles, games miles in the season? I don't even. Who is their number three option then? He's probably better than Van Jefferson. I don't think. Was so. Brandon? I think it no, might Brandon Van Jefferson. Yeah. What, but I mean, like, even still, like, the biggest thing is the O line. Like, Whitworth retired after that Super Bowl, and he was like far and away the best O lineman they had. He was also far and away um, the oldest I, offensive lineman they had. Like, he was much closer to just the best Cody. than being he was good fantastic. again, and so much better than anybody else they could put there. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could <laughs> say that about any left tackle that retires. I mean, yeah, it's going to be hard to replace him. It's one of the hardest positions to replace in the NFL, right next to quarterback. Well, that's so. the, like that's why I don't think the upside is the same as it was back then. Yeah, it's probably. I happened. think that I think that Nick's point is like. I would probably lean a Kirk Cousins over Matthew Stafford. I wouldn't lean Danny Dimes over Matthew Stafford. I, I think that, like, I would take Matthew Stafford very, very late in the draft, but I, I just don't think you really understand how rankings worked. He wouldn't be the 11th quarterback I'd take. I, I, I admitted that. I don't know. <laughs> I told you that when it, before I made the argument that it was ADP was factored in. But you have him ranked as the 11th quarterback. Yes, because he would be the 11th quarterback i draft. I wouldn't waste a 10th round, 9th round pick on – Kirk fucking Cousins, who's going to hit the waiver wire in fucking week three because he has two piss poor performances. I would actually take probably the guy we're going to talk about next over Matthew Stafford. Oh, Same. my God. So would I, yeah. obviously. Go right ahead. I heard that offensive line's fucking fantastic. So let's get into that one. He can do more with a bad offensive line than Stafford can. Stafford can Really? Move. Really? Well, what what do we have to prove that? Actually... I mean, have you ever watched Stafford play? I mean, like... have you ever watched CJ Stroud with a bad offensive line? You haven't because he's had a top five offensive line every year in college. But all right, but Justin Fields also did that. Went to a garbage offensive line and could figure out figure out how to get out of there. Uh, I'm saying I have a lot more faith near the runner Justin Fields does. Happen when plays break down than Stafford can. I I still completely disagree with that. CJ Stroud's not mobile. All right, we're getting off the rails a little bit. Let's let's transition into our next player so we can properly introduce my man. C.J. Stroud, who I will be arguing in the affirmative, so I'm going to go first here, all right? So, C.J. Stroud, I have him 19th, not asking a ton here. This is just, again, kind of a late dart throw that I would take over a guy like an old Matthew Stafford. Cody has him unranked. We only went to 24, to be fair, so I don't know where he'd have him ranked if uh, we, you know, did it all the way to 32, but anyway. Uh, so he has him below 24. I have him at 19. NFC ADP agrees with Cody. They have him at 26. Overall, 193.4. So basically undrafted in just about any league you're going to do a redraft in. I, I like C.J. Stroud as a player a lot. This is more about my just scouting opinion on C.J. Stroud or what you want to call it. I like him as a thrower of the football. I think he's pretty advanced. He was the number two overall pick in the draft. He reminds me a lot of Justin Herbert as a prospect, and we all saw how that went for Justin Herbert his rookie year. Obviously, Herbert had a much better situation that he walked into with Keenan Allen, with Mike Williams, with that Chargers offense uh, already set up. But he finished as the QB7 in points per game, as we talked about earlier. We're not asking C.J. Stroud to finish as the QB7 in points per game. We're asking him to get into say the top 15 to return value easily on uh, you know where he's going in ADP right now. Houston has the seventh easiest strength of schedule, according to Vegas win totals. 
That is a point in his favor, easy division, and they get uh, some easy matchups because they were the last place team in their division as well. They get matched up against other last place teams in their divisions for their extra games. Houston's going to need one of their young receivers to emerge as a legitimate option. To their credit, they do have a lot of options. They're not all great options, but they do have a few guys that I think have the potential to emerge as a legitimate threat. John Mechie is going to be coming back from his cancer treatment last year. He was a second-round pick. Nico Collins has been hanging around that roster for a couple years. He has not had the quarterback play to properly display his talents. Tank Dell, another early-round pick that they made this year. Dalton Schultz they brought in from the Dallas Cowboys. Robert Woods is now in that room, not expecting him to be a huge fantasy threat or anything, but can be maybe a useful veteran for a young quarterback like C.J. Stroud. Uh, so this is just the type of guy I think in general that I would want to be taking a shot on in the late rounds over, you know, the Derek Carrs of the world, the Jimmy G's of the world, uh, you know, those other guys that are hanging around 20, even someone like Jordan Love. I think I'd rather take my shot on CJ Stroud because we have no film on him in the NFL. Maybe he steps in and he's great. A lot of people doubted Justin Herbert. I think he was probably going around where CJ Stroud is in drafts going into his year. Obviously, again, not saying he's going to be Justin Herbert doesn't have to be Justin Herbert to beat his draft price by quite a bit. So I think there's a decent chance Stroud ends up in the top 15 this year as uh, as a rookie quarterback. Okay. Um, first, I want to apologize to Eric. Please don't let our previous argument bias this argument. <laughs> Love you, buddy. Thanks for being here, Your Honor. Please do. Please do. Um, <laughs> all right. So – my uh, my CJ Stroud argument's pretty simple. I mean, yeah, like we don't know what he's going to be in the NFL. You could swing that both ways, positive and negative. Basically, I just wanted to go look at what you know, like basically what Nick said is that he's mobile. Well, he doesn't really prove to be very mobile. He had less than ten yards rushing per game last season with Ohio State. So he does. He's not really proven to be an extremely mobile quarterback. Where Justin Fields was running around quite a bit more. Uh, like I already yelled at Eric previously, the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes have had a top five offensive line every year that he's been there. The uh, Houston Texans finished last year, I believe, at 19th overall, and they did add some ahead of the Rams. They, ahead of the Rams. Hey, that's fine. We're not talking about the Rams anymore. Uh, hey, that's that's an average offensive. Yeah, line. absolutely. That's what you want your uh, you want your rookie quarterback to be behind. But let's talk about the weapons. In the past two years, he has uh, throwing at Ohio State just so happened to be to uh, four first-round wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Jeez. Those guys are pretty good. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> While the Texans, he's going to have Robert Woods, Nico Collins, John Mechie, Tank Dell, and Noah Brown, some combination of those five guys. So I would say even if John Mechie hits his, hits his high side, that it's a very sharp decrease in offensive talent around Offensive line talent's going to be around. We're also talking about the NFL, not college football, and some of the weaker defenses that he does play throughout college football that kind of help pad those stats. As he struggled against Michigan the first time that, or I guess they only played once. He struggled against Michigan, didn't play his best. He did redeem, redeem himself later in the season in the playoff game against Georgia. He played phenomenal. If that's what Nick's basing his movement off of, I totally get it because I think he moved more in that game than he probably did the entire season beforehand. Um, and then my against last the argument defense in college football, what's that against the best defense in college football? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And then, uh, last but not least, he has a defensive head coach. I, I expect, and from San Francisco, 
I'd expect some kind of run-heavy scheme. I just don't think that he's going to have the opportunity or the talent or the protection to be a fantasy-relevant wide receiver. And like you said, yeah, your opportunity cost is nothing. Like, you're making the same argument I just did for Matthew Stafford. If he finishes as a QB 15, yes, you're getting more value than what you drafted him for. But, like, are you really happy with your fantasy team if you have the 15th overall best quarterback? No, probably not. But again, I think I think the CJ Stroud argument is more for maybe QB two or two QB leagues, and potentially again, uh, we're talking about long shots. I think if you are looking in this range for your second quarterback, say you're in a twelve or fourteen team league, and you know your entire league is going to draft a second guy, this is the type of guy I'd want to take my shot on because I think there is more upside than, like I said, the other guys in that range. I'd rather take him than Bryce Young because. I think of his. I think his rushing ability is higher than Bryce Young's. Bryce Young better not be a rushing quarterback in the NFL, or he will not last more than two or three games. Um, and I just those guys in that range just don't excite me. Derek Carr. I just I don't think there's any upside there. And I think C.J. Stroud could give you, like I said, Derek Carr level production, QB fifteen with upside for more if he hits. So, and on the on the rushing note, by the way. I do. I would want to bring up that in 22 games in a Ohio State uniform, Justin Fields averaged 39 yards rushing as a Buckeye. So maybe that's just not something that they 39 yards per game very much. Or total 39 yards per game. Obviously not total. So more, but Justin Fields was the best rushing quarterback in the history of the NFL last year. Okay, so I think I think there is room in between not a rushing quarterback and the best rusher in the history of the game at the position in a single year for C.J. Stroud to be a Justin Herbert-level rusher, as I said. You know, three to 400 yards, a couple touchdowns. It's going to help boost his stats over a guy like Bryce Young, uh, Derek Carr, those guys that are going to be zero uh, in the rushing category. Yep, two QB leagues, you grab yourself some C.J. Stroud, I'll take Matt Stafford. <laughs> sure. Oh, go ahead. I'm fine with that. All right, Eric, one sec. Drum roll us. Drum roll us. Who are the quarterbacks ranked like twenty to twenty four for you guys? I don't really know who uh, I want to go with. Sorry, here. I I'm unprofessional. I don't have my rankings pulled up. Let me. No, I didn't either. <laughs> um, useless. I mean, I see Cody Nick's got Stafford behind him, but like, because like nineteen to unranked, like there's that's like five spots. I want to see okay, who I'm ready. Above, go. All right, so I have Kyler Murray at twenty without having any knowledge of his knee situation. Yeah, I didn't. I, think that I didn't be add him. Completely so. not considered. So I, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I think he is just an uh, impossible to rank right now. Uh, Bryce Young at twenty one, Brock Purdy at twenty two, Matt Stafford at twenty three, Derek Carr twenty four, Jordan Love twenty five. Yeah, I mean, if I'm adding C.J. Stroud into my Curry. rankings, I mean, I think he's pretty interchangeable with Bryce Young. I don't see either of them having a good year for fantasy their rookie season, so he'd be around 23 in my rankings. Maybe 24 if I added Kyler, because if Kyler has some good news, Kyler's immediately ahead of him as well. Yeah. I he think I'm going to leave Cody here, because I would probably take Jordan Love as much as it kills me to say just because I know that the Packers have, like, an offensive coach that can move the ball down the field. Um, I would probably lean Bryce Young over Stroud still, um, but I don't – we're ranking second quarterbacks, and I play in no two-quarterback league, so I don't really know where to go with it. <laughs> That's fair. Yep. 
No, that's, I mean, both of those last two are basically only two quarterback options. I mean, unless you're crazy like me and yeah. you're going to maybe take Matthew Stafford in the league just to try and prove a point. <clears throat> yeah. say, do it, do it. League, I'm playing you in, please. No, he's just going to dunk on you. He's going to be terrible the whole year. Then when Cody plays me, he drops 75 fucking points. <laughs> Justin Herbert was probably only a two quarterback league consideration as well going into his rookie year. So just know that these guys can surprise. I just think that if you're taking your late shot on somebody, you might as well take it on somebody that has the type of upside CJ Stroud has walking into the NFL as a number two overall pick. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm assuming right, you're taking boys. him over Kenny that Pickett. Is... Yeah, I think I'd take a wet paper bag over Ooh. Kenny Pickett. See, I go to Kenny Pickett. I, I, I like the year two breakout of Kenny Pickett much I more than the rookie like year CJ Stroud. I'll take Taylor I would, Williams I would over Kenny Pickett. I would go pick it over Saturday He leaves USC and signs the NFL team midseason. <laughs> That's how I feel about Kenny Pickett. I mean, only year two quarterback with a breakout potential. Let's go, Kenny P. <laughs> <laughs> it's facts. <laughs> Actually, I think Malik Willis has higher breakout potential than Kenny Yeah, P. you should. No shot. Will Levis and Ryan Tannehill get into a car accident on the way to the stadium. and, and That's Willis when you get the real value out of again. D-Hop when Malik Willis takes over, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, 100%. Get those 15 throws a game for sure for, for your D-Hop. <laughs> Stock. All right. Do we have right. any any uh, final remarks about the quarterbacks or any other quarterback out there? I don't think so. I, Dan, I think we'll, it looks like you guys disagree pretty heavily on Kenny Pickett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cody has him at twenty five. I have him at twenty eight. I, no, I didn't. I didn't have him up there. I think Kenny Pickett's up there. I'm drafting That's Kenny Pickett before Pickett. Derek Carr, Brock Purdy, Jordan Love, and Bryce Young. So he'd probably be like number twenty for me. I just, I mean, if you're, if you're, again, if you're drafting a guy that's super late, why are you going to draft a guy that's already proven to not be a fantasy asset? Why wouldn't you take a guy that has a potential to break out? Basically, you're CJ Stroud. I don't think, I don't think Brock Purdy has shown that he isn't a fantasy asset. I think if you gave me his last nine starts, that's actually a pretty decent fantasy asset. Bryce Young has not shown us anything. So I, I don't, I don't know if I agree with those arguments, Cody. Fair enough. I mean, Plenty of plenty of tape there at Alabama to look at for you. YouTube.com slash fantasy football well, and He was a Heisman winner last year, so Alrighty. Uh, we are going to get into some more comprehensive quarterback rankings later in the offseason. I think this is just more of the uh, this is a fun exercise to get into early in the offseason to kind of see where we lie on some guys, maybe uh, look at some outliers on both of our boards and discuss them. Uh, but again, this this board is going to change quite a bit in between now and uh, draft season in about a month. So this is not something that we are setting in stone just yet. Keep that in mind as you move on. We're going to have to see how new, news unfolds. Obviously, these younger guys are going to be the ones that are going to be moving a lot more than uh, the veterans just because, you know, camp reports actually mean something for a guy like Anthony Richardson where, you know, we're not really worried about how Justin Herbert looks in camp. I think we just kind of know he's pretty good. So... Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to add on the quarterbacks here, or are we ready to get out of here? Nope. All right. Let's peace on out of here. Like, comment, subscribe on the video and the podcast and all the other stuff. Peace out, everybody. Peace. Peace.